0: Have you ever felt abandoned? Have you stood in the middle of the street crying because you were left out or dejected or forsaken? I think there's a time in all of our lives that we have felt like that. Um, This might strike a nerve with you, and I'm really sorry that if it does, well, I'm really not sorry because I want to challenge you with some stuff about feeling dejected and alone and hear what God has to say about his truth and who he is. So I'm Scott Weatherford, and obviously I'm not in the building of First Baptist Church Wimberley. We're down by the beautiful Cypress Creek, one of the choice places in this beautiful place we live, because I just want to talk to you today about, well, some truth in God's word, this psalm, this, this heart of God, seeing the longing for God. But I want to talk to you. Jesus says some things that about abandoning us that I want you to grab onto. He says this. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It says that in Matthew. Joshua 1.9, God said this to Joshua, the great commander. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then in Isaiah, it says this. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. And then the psalmist said this, uh, King David, and We actually we looked at this psalm earlier in this summer, if for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Now, we all know this is true. Now, we think that's true. We hold on to that theologically that these things we read about are God. However, we often feel very different. We're often like birdie in the street going, what the heck is going on? Well, Satan has a scheme. He wants you to think that God loves everybody but you. You love have a problem. You're either too sinful, you're too arrogant, you're not arrogant enough, you're overconfident, you're not confident enough, you've got sin, and he knows about high school, just saying. And all these things about your life that you particularly have been singled out by God, and he, you know, Satan loves to do that to you, to accuse you. And I have this quote, God loves everybody but you, you're a loser. You're too sinful, too emotional, not emotional enough, arrogant, you're a hypocrite, whatever he else he can think up to accuse you. And that's what he does. And we believe the lie. When I was uh, walking up here to do this video, there was a, a family here fishing and a little boy caught a bass and he was with, I guess his mother and maybe his aunt or somebody. And they were all kind of looking at what to do with this fish. And I walked up and I said, can I help you? And they said, oh, please. So I showed them how to grab the fish and take the hook out. And the little boy took the fish and threw it back in the water and they, they toddled off. You see, the problem there was the fish took the bait and the fish ended up in the hands of the adversary. Now the adversary happened to be a friendly adversary that was gonna release them. But that fish could have been destined for the frying pan because he took the bait. How many times have you taken the bait of Satan that you believe the lie and you felt abandoned and you felt pulled away. And and I really want to address some things. Like in, a, in seasons, look at this, listen to this. In seasons, there is spiritual dryness. You want to believe God. You want to hold on to God, but you feel like he's distant and he's not listening. And, and there's just a season of dryness. And what goes on during that season of dryness? Well, today we're going to look at two Psalms, Psalm 42 and 43. The, the authors of, actually the editors of our modern translation, they divided these psalms into two, and they're actually supposed to be one psalm. Uh, 42 and 43 go together. So we're going to look at them, both of them together. <clears throat> now, this guy who wrote this psalm was a Levite, and he was dealing with feeling abandoned by God. He was feeling spiritually dry. He was feeling far away, and he was longing to be back in community with God and longing to be back in community with God's people man, I know how that feels. We've got five months now that we haven't been able to gather together in a corporate gathering altogether. And it just can get dry. But I wanna encourage you because the church is not closed and God is still working and he's still moving and he hasn't left and he's still working in your life. No matter the circumstances of our life does not change God in his faithfulness, period. So I want you to hold on to that. This Psalm is honest and it's compelling. And it's also encouraging. God can handle any emotion we have. The one thing He will not do is be ignored. He will not be ignored. And coming to you today and talking to you here by this beautiful spot, just want to remind you that God is moving on your behalf. Now, in this psalm, I found this interesting. This psalmist asks God 11 personal questions and He uses 22 personal pronouns. That means He's going overboard to say, This is me. Now, We often think that spiritual dryness or spiritual dry spells or struggles of feeling abandonment is a sign of a spiritual problem, a lack of faith or sinfulness. And sometimes that's true. We ought to consider spiritual dryness, though, to be a pathway to spiritual revival. Now, this is what I've discovered when I seem to have a spiritual dryness. This I have to consider. When God is silent, consider this. There's a sin I need to confess and turn away from or... There's a revelation coming from God that's deeper than any previous revelation and it's coming and I've not, I've not seen it yet. So when God's silent, there's sin I need to confess or there's a revelation I need to embrace. And so God is moving. So let's look at these two Psalms and let's find this heart of longing and let's find this heart of God as he seeks to draw you close to him. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for what you wanna say today at this beautiful place in this beautiful word this beautiful message that helps us really to live all for you, and I thank you for how good and great you are, and I pray this all in your son's strong name. Amen. Amen. Now, we're several weeks into this online thing, and we're determined to keep making it more inviting and more appealing and and we wanted to make it engaging. So I want you to take advantage of a few things. If you hear something you like, throw up a little heart or a little thumbs up or something that we could speak to. If you want to talk to me during this gathering, now, here's a little secret. This is pre-recorded, obviously, and I'm going to be watching. And if you want to say something to me or ask me a question, just jump on the private prayer chat and I'll be right there to answer you. Starting next week, that's July the 19th, we're going to have an opportunity for you to call in with the Zoom call. After our 11 o'clock showing of this gathering, I'm going to be available on Zoom to talk to you. Why? Because I want to know who you are. Now, some of you I've known for a long, long time. I've been your pastor before, maybe in Canada or maybe in Florida or maybe in South Texas or some other place. Uh, There's several of you watching from states around the nation and even countries around the world. I want to connect with you because I want to know you and, and help you. Our church wants to connect with you. We want to know you and help you because we believe we're in this all together. The COVID cases keep rising. We keep living in a state of ambiguity, but we're not gonna retreat or back up. We wanna keep being the Church of Jesus Christ. So we want you to lean in. So here's three things I want you to talk I want to talk about to you today. Now it's not this is not a typical sermon. Now some of you all had experiences with churches in the past that may be a little different, but I'm not like that. This church is not like that. We want to be accessible and we want to give you God's word that will help build your lives. Here's three stages of struggle that I really want to address today in this passage of Psalms. Here's the first stage the longing for God. Listen, I'm going to read for you 42, 1 through 4. As the deer pants for flowing streams, flowing stream right here, of the, uh, so my soul. So pants my soul for you, oh God. I did a real good job there. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and peer before my God? My tears have been my food day and night while they, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? That means people are accusing him. These things I remember as I pour up my soul, how I would long to go with the throng and lead them to the possession of the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival." Now, this Levite who's writing this is probably living in the upper part of Israel. He wants to take his people to Jerusalem to celebrate, to worship, but he can't. Maybe there's COVID-19 in Jerusalem and everybody's locked down. We don't know really what's going on here, but we hear this heart of longing. Now, I want to show you how this psalmist in his such transparency pulls in the heart of longing with our natural desires. This is what he says. He's longing as his, he's thirsty. As the deer longs for water, so my soul longs after you. Thirsting and desiring to quench your thirst is a spiritual and a physical longing. And he addresses that. Then he says, my tears have been my food. That's not the only place scripture addresses tears as food. It says this about Jesus as he longed. and, And as literally in the garden, he wept teardrops of blood. He sweated. Uh, I didn't weep. He sweated teardrops of blood. So this this whole food thing, tears for my food, is just this in bitterness. Then he says, "I long for community. I long for community." You know, we we we're we're in that situation. We're longing for community. Uh, I hear so much stuff, and but here's the deal: that we're prayerfully seeking God's wisdom and saying, "When are we going to come back together in person?" Now we're committed to continue online we will continue to make this even better and better and better. But when are we going to be able to gather again? It's a big question. And there's a longing, longing for God to satisfy our thirst, longing for God to fill our hearts with spiritual nutrition, longing for God's people to embrace us. These are common longings of the human heart. The honesty of longing, get this, is the beginning of God's revelation. If you look through Scripture, every time... God reveals himself in a big way to somebody. He accentuates their need before the revelation. Adam in the garden. He says, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone, so you name all the animals. And Adam saw a male and female of every animal except for him, and he raised the level of... Of expectation. Same thing with Moses. He showed Moses the plight of the Hebrew children. He raised the expectation. He does that with Isaiah in the temple. He raises the expectation. God gets you longing so he can reveal to you. Uh, What's really cool about God, God's not really into our religion. Did you know that? He's not impressed with our gatherings or our ritual or our singing. He's not impressed with that. He's not impressed with my preaching. Now, don't sit a little hard up on that one, but you know what I'm saying. He's not. This is what he says in Psalm 51, which we're going to talk about next week. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Now, what does that mean? Does God want us to go around going, oh, I'm so broken. Oh, oh is me. I'm a terrible person. No, that's not what God wants. God wants us to be humble before him and receptive before him and open to him. That's what he desires. So it's a longing for God. Then you see the next struggle. There's a longing for peace. Listen, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and Mount Mizah Mid- Midzah means small place. I remember you from a small place. Then he says this, which I've heard kind of quoted and going, what the heck does this mean? Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfall. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. What he's saying here is that my deep longing is matching the depth of your sea and the the power of your waterfall. Oh, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love. At night, his his song is with me, a prayer to my God of my life. I say to my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where's your God? Now, what he's saying here is I'm longing for you, God. Then I got these people around me that just taught me and aggravate me. Do you have anybody like that? Maybe they're on social media. Maybe you need to get off social media. Uh, Maybe you need to kind of reel in some behaviors. You've got people that are accentuating your longing and they're not helping you, they're hurting you. Just something to think about. This is really honest. You know, Satan... Loves, get this, he loves to attack you with nostalgia. He loves it. He loves to remind you of your past. He loves to remind you of your brokenness. Now, I heard a pastor say this, uh, so I'm going to quote it as if I said it. So there you go. If we live looking back, we'll trip over today and stumble into tomorrow. You cannot go back and fix your past. You can go back and apologize for your past. Or go back and try to make amends. for You can't go back and fix it. It's done. But Satan loves to attack you with nostalgia. And he does it in two ways. He reminds you of your brokenness. Or he gives you false memories of how good it was when it really wasn't that good. That's what he does. And he loves to attack it. This, this Levi, who's in the spiritual dry place, was being attacked by his memory. But then he was being attacked by people. Remembering the blessings of God are good. And we need to speak about that. Now, you said, Scott, don't live in the past. No, but you count your blessings. You remember God's faithfulness. You remember how good God is. And the writer takes a turn in that direction. That It says this in Psalm 30. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Recently, going through a dryness in my own life, my sister sent that to me. My joy comes in the morning. She said, Scott, it's dark at night, but God always reveals in the breaking of day. And she's quoting my grandmother who quoted that to her. And she's quoting it to me. And she's quoting it right from scripture. Weeping lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And the attack of people can be the worst form of spiritual attack. That's why you need people in your life who love God and love you. They love God and love you. If you don't have those people, you find them. You can find them. They're around you Need to you look for them. Oh, why don't you be one of them? You be a person who loves people and loves God and be a blessing and not a problem. Listen to this. Now, I talked about this last week in the summer psalm. Talk about the power of our words. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as such is good for building up as fits the occasion. It may give grace to those who hear it. Let every word that comes on your Facebook page be for building up. Every word that comes on your Twitter account, be for building up. I want to tell you something, folks. Listen to me. Satan is working overtime to divide our country. He's working overtime to erase our godly heritage. We give into it when we become negative and critical and divisive. God loves unity and he hates division. He says, do this, maintain the unity through the bond of peace. So, I think we need to pay attention. If you're posting things or saying things or or living out things, what are you doing? We in a society have politicized everything. Today, I was listening to the news, which I think I'm going to quit doing. They were politicizing whether or not schools should be open or not. Really? We're talking about our children now. Really? But this is all part of the scheme to keep us divided. And we should... Have a longing for peace. And here's the last thing I want to show you the struggle. It's a longing of restoration, which I think is probably the most profound longing. I want God to restore me so I can walk with him. And he is. He's in the restoration business. God was a fixer-upper before Chip and Joanna Gaines showed up. He is the one who restores. Vindicate me, O God. And defend my cause against the ungodly people. For the deceitful and unjust man deliver me. For you are my God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Then he answers, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God. To my, to God, my exceeding joy, I will praise you with the lyre. O oh God, my God. The lyre is a stringed instrument. You see, we have a great defender, we have a great God, and this psalmist was making a decision to believe the truth over a lie. It's a huge pivot point for you and for me that I'm not going to believe the lie and the schemes of Satan, but I'm going to believe the truth of God, that my hope is is built on Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I'm not going to believe the accusations. I'm not going to look back in nostalgia, but I'm going to look forward in the glory of God, and I'm going to live ever in the presence of God, that he is my strength and my song. We have a decision to make. And then as a result of that decision, when we choose to trust in God, then we live a life of worship, of worship. Let me end it with this. Three times you see this phrase in the psalm. Listen, these two psalms. Why are you ca- why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Let me read it again. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him my salvation, and my God. You see, it's time we make the decision to live in hope because God will not abandon us. You will not be like little birdie crying in the street, watching her daddy disappear. You will be sheltered underneath his wing. You will be cared for because he cares for you. And you know what happens when that happens? I he'd care for you and we become the contagious carriers of hope.